Hello, everyone, and welcome to Casada Conversations, Episode 2, with the Casada President and Executive Director. I'm Sam Atkinson, the 2020-2021 Casada President and Associate Athletic Director for Communications at Gallaudet University. I'm here in Ellicott City, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., and I'm joined by Casada Executive Director Doug Vance out in Tucson, Arizona. Doug, how's it going? And welcome back to Casada Conversations. Thanks, Sam. It's good to be back, and uh, things are going okay. I've got a little bit of a voice issue, so I apologize, but uh, uh, things are going well. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you're doing all right. Um, a reminder to our audience about what Casada Conversations is. This is a monthly conversation between the Casada president and executive director to discuss all things Casada, the profession, and our members. We want to make sure everyone knows what the organization is doing and discussing what items, projects, and initiatives we are working on. On this episode, Doug and I will provide some Casada news updates as we have the chance to elaborate on some recent announcements. Plus, we'll be joined by our first guest as Casada board member Denise Thompson of the Big Sky Conference stops by to join us to discuss Casada's racial and social justice initiative. And most importantly, we want to hear from you, our members. Each episode, we will open up the mailbag and answer questions from our members. So don't forget to submit your questions online or DM us on Twitter at Sam Atkinson, SID, and at D Vance Casida. So let's get started with our second episode. Thanksgiving is upon us, and this is going to be a different and challenging holiday for many of our members. Doug and I want to take a moment to pause and give thanks and share a few things we are thankful for. As and we, as we keep in mind the different constant challenges we continue to face during 2020. So, Doug, what are right now? What are you thankful for? Well, Sam, I, I think it's been uh, obviously, as you said, a really difficult year for our members, and um, it, it, and that's something that's going to be on my mind throughout Thanksgiving. But but we all have to we all have reasons to be thankful for things, and and I think from a work profession uh, perspective. Uh, I'm really thankful that we have a profession of people who really care about each other and, and have, have certainly felt this uh, impact uh, collectively as a group. Um, and I think the fact that we care and we are committed defines COSIDA. It separates COSIDA from a lot of other organizations. Uh, I think all of us, particularly on the board, are heartbroken when we see uh, our members lose their jobs uh, but I'm really proud of how people are dealing dealing with the problems right now. How about you? Without a doubt, our, our membership has really gathered and rallied around each other during this, these difficult times. And it's been great to see our organization um, help our members as much as possible. And you know, I also like from a campus uh, perspective, um, I'm just very thankful for our students and our student athletes at our institutions uh, and and I want to take a minute to just thank our institutions who are you know taking the precautions necessary to keep our faculty, staff, and students safe during this pandemic. I know it's, it cannot be easy. Uh, it's been very a lot of very difficult decisions, but um, I want to stress and emphasize uh, everybody's safety and health uh, during this Thanksgiving. And um, hopefully, you are able to join um, your family virtually or at a safe distance uh, this this Thanksgiving. 
so definitely thinking of all our members uh, during this Thanksgiving. So let's jump into a few recent announcements from Casida. Doug, you have the pleasure to be working with the USBWA, the United States Basketball Writers Association, along with different various members of Casida. Um, you guys recently announced the media guidelines for basketball. Can you give a little update on um, what in, entails in that announcement? Sure. Uh, and I want to mention that tomorrow, Cosida is hosting a webinar uh, involving uh, our members uh, and USBWA members, including Seth Davis and uh, Malcolm Moran. So I would encourage people, if they have questions or want to get more insight, uh, to look for that. It'll be at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, you know, the experience was really was really good. And those people who participated, uh, you know, were very helpful. Uh, we had a cross-section of SIDs, uh, Division One, College Division, representing uh, women's basketball, the NCAA. Uh, so it, we, we tried to get different perspectives and look and examine all the potential issues. Uh, there are no easy answers. Uh, and these are, are, are should be considered guidelines. They're not policy. Everybody's situation dictates something unique, something different. And we recognize that not everybody was going to be able to have a, a media workroom. And in some places, uh, there, there are some, some very severe restrictions on media being there, on photographers. So um, if anybody wants to see it, we have it posted on the website. But the collaboration with Malcolm Rand, who's the executive director of the USBWA, was, was really enjoyable. He's a great friend of our organization, cares deeply. and um, uh, those kind of uh, situations and opportunities for us are really important. And no doubt, and, and Malcolm's always been a great ally to Casida. It's great to be working with him and Seth Davis, uh, the president for USBWA this year. I look forward to see how these guidelines uh, impact basketball uh, starting up right, you know, in the next week or two. So looking yeah. forward to that. Another, uh, another announcement that came out recently was Casida's membership donation fund. And this is something that we've heard from various members um, in, within our organization about how they can help other members when it comes to um, membership this, this year. And I, we understand certain members are facing financial difficulties. So we established an, an, a fund and an opportunity where Casida members or people at large that would like to donate can go to casida.com slash donate. Doug, how, how do you feel this donation fund will impact uh, members that are in need? Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we represent an organization of people who care. And as memberships are a difficulty for, for many of our previous members, I mean, I've heard it firsthand in talking to people. Uh, uh, this was an idea uh, to give our members an opportunity to give back uh, and help those who cannot join. I, I received a call from a uh, past president uh, not too long ago, and uh, this person wanted to donate five memberships uh, anonymously and wanted to know how to do it. So we, we took that idea and grew it, and uh, we're going to do some the same thing with our corporate partners. So uh, if we can open up an opportunity for someone to be a member who is not, who can't be, who's, who was not budgeted to be, uh, we have an obligation to explore that. So I hope I hope we're able to help a lot of people be members of COSIDA this year. Without a doubt. I think this is a great opportunity. Um, and our members have always rallied around each other. Uh, so again, if you're interested in, in making a donation, please take a moment to go to COSIDA.com slash donate. 
Uh, last thing on, on our opening segment here, uh, talking about the spring semester is already upon us and preparations are underway for how SIDs are gonna be covering winter and spring sports. I know um, last week we had our two-part series of Bracing for Impact, um, Strategies for Supporting and Hosting Events in Winter and Spring of 2021. Uh, if you missed those episodes live, you can watch them on demand at casida.com. Doug, you know, what did you take from those um, presentations? We had two different levels. Part one was a college division and part two was a university division, division one. Um, you know, it was really interesting to see some of the uh, different uh, participants from ADs to facility managers as a part of those webinars. But what did you take away when you saw those um, recent presentations? Well, I think one of the things, and I, I figured this going into it, but but this is going to be a group enterprise. Everyone uh, who's involved with hosting events is going to have to recognize the challenges everyone is facing and help each other. And I think I think there's a lot of thought that has been given uh, in how how this is going to work and how people are going to deal with a multi-layer multi-layer of uh, events on campus. Uh, a lot of times at the very same time, it's going to be a big strain on our members and. and uh, but but our members are, are are have the ability to rise to the occasion. I feel I feel concerned for them because of the number of hours this is going to uh, bring upon them. But uh, uh, I feel confident that confident at the end of the day they're all going to get the job done. And uh, and I, I think some I think this will help trigger some thought into how things are going to happen for everybody. Well, that's our leadoff segment for Casada Conversations. We'll be back in a moment with our guest, Denise Thompson. Casida Conversations is made possible thanks to one of our corporate partners, Blinder. Connect instantly with anyone through any device, capture multi-channel HD recordings, and collaborate with your remote team to create amazing content. Learn more about Blinder at blinderhq.com. We greatly appreciate Blinder's involvement and continued support of Casida and our profession. Welcome back to Casada Conversations. We are now pleased to welcome in Denise Thompson from the Big Sky Conference and a three-year member of the Casada Executive Board of Directors. This fall, Denise took over chairing our Racial and Social Justice Initiative Working Group. We are thrilled to have Denise here to share information on this group and her own personal views and perspectives. Hello, Denise. Hello, thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Our first question is, how did the Racial and Social Justice Initiative Working Group come together and why? Well, first, I'd like to say that I think that COSIDA has been a huge advocate when it comes to diversity, you know, even before any of the unfortunate things that have happened during 2020. Um, but with that said, between a mixed variety of COSIDA members, COSIDA staff and board, the Racial and Social Justice Working Group came along. Um, and I think the real purpose was it to address ways um, to better educate our COSIDA members on the topics of racial and social justice. Denise, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask the next question. Um, wh what does it mean to you to chair this particular committee? How, how does it how does it touch you to have that responsibility? It's a big one. Uh, yeah, I think you hit the nose right on the head um, when you say that it's a big one. But I think, you know, I'm just blessed and very fortunate enough that Somewhere along the way, you guys thought that I would be an okay person to do this. 
Um, and so because of that, I have just taken, you know, like I said, the bull by the horn and trying to do as much as possible um, to lead this group with the different initiatives, um, with a very diverse thought process of who are we going to have as our panelists, who is part of our working group to get there, and what topics do we really need to touch on, and the importance of when those need to go out. So for me, you know, I don't think words can really express um, how grateful I am to be able to have this opportunity, um, but I am doing my best, and hopefully we are creating enough diverse content that after people listen and watch our webinars who are also on demand, um, that it is a great opportunity for them to then take it and then speak to the next person after that. And I think that's one of the main goals of why I'm able to, you know, just be happy in this position. Denise, um, what, what, what would you say was uh, a couple of your future panel topics? What would they look like? Yeah, so I think one of them is how to have courageous conversations. And I think that that just might be one of the big ones. A lot of times there's a topic on the table that needs to be discussed, but people don't really know how to go about it. Um, so we want to think, how can you have that conversation? What does that look like? What are the steps involved in it? Um, because right now there's no reason to be afraid. We all want to learn. We all want to do better. And so we think that especially when we're working with a diverse group of student athletes, coaches, staff members, administrators, that you're going to have to learn as much as possible to build in this profession. And so that is one of the important ones that we have. And then another one we have is how to continue the conversation. There's been a lot of different organizations and schools and conference offices out there who have started it, Do whether it's George Floyd or any other unfortunate incident that has happened in 2020. But how do you continue the conversation? We don't want these to be moments. Um, it's great to have a teaching moment, but we want to figure out how can you now educate so that we don't have to backtrack or be going through any of this five years down the line. So we think with the right panelists and the right group and the right questions being asked, that those, whether you're serving on the panel or listening in, will be able to once again spread that word to everyone else on how to continue that conversation and let it know that this is just not a moment, this is a movement and we're trying to move in a positive direction from here forward. Denise, you, you touched on this a little bit, but uh, I wanna I want to kind of go forward a little bit more. Talk about the importance of bringing diversity uh, to these sessions. Obviously this is a message for everyone. Ooh, I, I think it's great. I think in athletics, there are people from so many different backgrounds, whether that is where you grew up, what do you look like, what your job description is, or the experiences that you have. So I think for us, we have been fortunate to have tremendous panelists join us, uh, you know, in the past, whether that's current athletic directors, former athletic directors, speaking consultants, you know, faculty athletic reps, communicators in their current position who have gone through all these different things. I think for us, having that diverse group, whether it's male, female, with an academics background or more of a compliance background, or maybe, you know, as an FAR, what is it that might be a student, former student athlete? So I think that everyone has a story to tell. And by bringing all those different backgrounds together, I think that that is what maybe makes our topics and our webinars so unique because in communications, we come across so many different people and we're here to tell that story. So I think as our panelists, yes, they're giving their background and their discussion, they're leading how the panels are going. They're also bringing you into their light, into what they have learned to then make you leave 
saying, you know what, I believe what that person said. They said a lot of things that related to me and that's what's making it more important. You know, Kosida is not bringing in fluff. You know, anyone should just do it. They're bringing in real people who want to make a difference. And that's why hopefully the people are tuning into the webinars. Yeah, Denise, it really seems like, you know, a staple of these critical conversations is ending the webinars with key takeaways. Um, who came up with that idea um, as far as, for, you know, formatting your webinars with that? And what is something or key takeaway that really stuck out to you? So that would be me. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, especially during the summer, we're on so many different Zooms and Google meetings and go to's and everything that, you know, that there might be blinders, you know, that it's one of those. It's like by the time you're done, you're just so ready to turn off your computer and you maybe don't remember any of the good things that maybe happened in the beginning or the end. So I think one of the good things is there's so many things, whether it's resource links after but how do you really grasp the attention of those attendees right before they leave? So I think it's always very beneficial for every panelist right before they're signing off to say, hey, what are these two or three takeaways um, that they want the audience to leave with? Whether that's something that's going to make them remember to tell someone else, whether that's someone for them, something for them to now look inside of themselves and say, hey, you know, we want an allyship, you know. Was I an ally before? And really asking yourselves those kind of questions for you to be like, you know what? I want to continue this discussion afterwards. Um, so I like all takeaways. I don't necessarily have one in particular, um, but I just think that anyone that gauges you to think a little more. And my thought is if it makes you want to tweet afterwards or put a post about it, then it was pretty good. Um, and so I think that those little things are what hopefully will continue to bring people coming back because they always want to leave our webinars with takeaways. There's been some great panelists too. And Doug, I, I know you've been a, uh, a participant and, and watched those critical, critical conversations as well. Um, it's great seeing our membership interacting, uh, especially socially, um, about that and hopefully on, on their campuses. Without a question, Sam, this is one of the better things, one of the best things we've done as an organization. I'm really proud of it. And Denise, I don't want to let you get away without giving the opportunity to talk about something that I think is, is more personal in nature uh, from, from people who, who care deeply about this, uh, this issue. And that's the Through the Lens uh, uh, program that we've developed. Tell, tell everybody a little bit about that. Ooh, absolutely. So Through My Lens is an opportunity for us to really share our story in a platform that we choose. Um, and I think as communicators, that is one of the better things, you know, we're sometimes doing a lot of things for others, but now it's our opportunity to share our story, whether that is through a video, whether that's a letter to ourselves or a podcast. And really it can be about whatever you want to share. Um, mine has not come yet. Mine will be in January. Um, but, you know, we have one out already from Just Pull. And I think it is a great opportunity to allow people in that may not know something about us. Um, now, whether that's someone talking about how they were a first generation college student and how they've gotten to where they are now, maybe it's their experiences and a mentor early on in their position in their life and where they were, or maybe it was someone who maybe lost track early on in life and didn't have necessarily all the positive things going for them. And now they're able to tell their success story and show where they are. So I think the best thing about Through My Lens is it's allowing people to see it through them, where they have come from, where they still want to go, and to bring people along their journey with them. 
Well, Denise, thank you for spending time with us today. We are very grateful and thankful for your leadership uh, with this working group. We look forward to seeing you through my lens um, in January. And for more information about Casida's racial and social justice initiative, please head over to casida.com backslash Casida for change. And if you're on social media, please use the hashtag Casida for change. Thank you, Sam and Doug. Thank you, Denise. Casida's special award nominations are now being accepted until January 24th, 2021. This is a great time to recognize a colleague, mentor, or someone you think deserves recognition in the sports information field. There are many different categories from rising star to hall of fame. Also, don't forget about the 25 year award. A reminder that awards are for current Casida members only. Simply log on to casida.com awards to nominate today. And now we open up our mailbag, Doug. We got a couple more questions this past couple of weeks. Uh, we go to Judy Wilson, a former uh, past president of Casida and works at LSU. She chimes in with a question and a suggestion. She wrote, Dear Sam and Doug, thank you for these Casida conversations. I have a question and a suggestion. The question is, what are some of the retirement jobs SIDs have done when they've stepped away from a full-time career? And a suggestion is, please have some extended conversations with recent Casida Hall of Fame inductees and members of the 2020 class. Judy, thanks for the for the for the email and the suggestion and question. Without a doubt, um, we are we will continue to have different guests during our Casada conversations, and we'll feature different people. So we appreciate that suggestion. As far as the question, some of the retirement jobs that SIDs have done, um, Doug, it seems like it really varies. You know, I think some people stick in the PR field. Some people after being in the SID field for a long time. How about yourself? What are what have you seen with some of your fellow colleagues that have been SIDs and gone on to retire? Well, I, I sincerely hope those people who retire retire. Uh, they've worked so hard during their uh, career as SIDs, and uh, they deserve that uh, that good life uh, that that uh, they haven't been able to enjoy. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think it just depends on what stage you are. Um, I, I I know of a, of a member who who stays very busy, uh, and he he works as a golf course marshal. Uh, he's also very much into music, so he he does things in that realm. I also know an SID who retired, but really didn't retire. He stayed on and and worked part time for his uh, for school for his athletic department. So you know SIDs have a lot of communication skills. So there's a lot of opportunities. Um, if they want to um, continue to work, if they want to continue to use their skills, or there's a, there's a lot of different jobs out there people can, can take up. And it, it really feels too, like once an SID, always an SID. I feel like a lot of our, our members who end up retiring, they always end up at a game sometime, someplace, uh, either volunteering or helping out on that staff. Um, it's tough for, to take an SID um, and have them completely retire. Um, from the game. Yeah, I, one other position comes to mind. Um, I know a, an SID who opened up his own PR agency and a couple of those people actually when right. I think about it. So that, that's utilizing their knowledge and their skills and their ability to uh, and take it forward and to help themselves in a different career. Many different skills. 
our next question is actually an anonymous question. A uh, person didn't put in their name or organization, but what are your thoughts on there being accreditation for an SID? Kind of similar to the PRSA designation. And I know that this is something that the Casada board um, has kicked around um, over the years, it seems like, as far as trying to get SIDs accredited. Um, it would be a major undertaking for an organization like Casada to get that up and running. Um, but it does seem like there could be something where, you know, some schools continue to maybe use part-time SIDs or they um, might use a, a student in certain situations and, and that person may not be completely up to speed on the rules and, and knowledge of what it takes to be an SID. Uh, but Doug, do you feel like, you know, would, you, would, would we see a time where Casida um, could spearhead a, accreditation for, for our members? I, I think it's something, as you mentioned, that, that boards have talked about over the years, and it is a, it is a huge undertaking and a big commitment. And, and yeah, I think it, I think there's there's something there that, that we need to pursue. I think it comes down to the value of it. Why why is an SID wanting to get accreditation? Is it going to help him or her in in, in their career? Uh, is it going to help them or in their financial situation, their pay scale? There has to be a value attached to it because it's a big commitment for those folks to do it as well. So, but I think it's a it's it's a it's a concept we need to continue to seriously look at as we move forward. Our last question comes from Casada board member Lenny Wright from Mount Union, and he asks, "What advice do you have for SIDs heading into the holiday season and probably working remotely while preparing for an uncertain winter and spring?" Thanks, Lenny, for the question. Um, you know, as we head into these holidays, <clears throat> a lot of us are still working remotely and I'm sure feeling out of touch um, and, and not being on campus or not being able to see your colleagues. Um, and this can be a lonely time for a lot of our members um, heading into the holidays. And, and, and you know, we, we, I think it's a good reminder to reach out and, and to communicate as best we can, sending a text, even a tweet, uh, being on social media, checking in on people, um, Doug, what do you what do you think heading into Thanksgiving and then into the holiday season in, in December? Um, what Casada members should be doing that reach out to fellow Casada members? Well, I think that's uh, you said it. You said it well. Mental health is a big issue for our members, uh, for everybody in this pandemic age. But uh, the other piece of advice uh, that I'd offer is don't eat too much. Uh, try to try try to take care of yourself physically. Try to exercise. Uh, I really think that's really important for all of us, and, and it's yeah. very helpful. And, and COSIDA, uh, through the Goodwill and Wellness Committee, has really stressed that and giving up and, and giving kind of incentives for people to to physically exercise and get involved. But, uh, but caring about each other, uh, that's to me, is, is, is about as important as it is during this holiday period. Right. And, and we're still living through a pandemic. So, you know, reminder, you know, we need to continue to follow COVID-19 protocols uh, and being safe um, when we're out and about. Uh, Lenny did write a great blog when he was D3 side of president um, last uh, two years ago, where he shared um, his thanks for various people in the SID field that in impacted his career. But he also gave some great ideas for giving thanks to many people in the SID, SID field. And we'll, we'll share that um, again through our social media um, and check that out. Yeah, so, I, I do want to wish ahead. a belated happy birthday to Lenny, who, who had his <laughs> birthday last week. So there you go. Happy birthday, Lenny. Uh, thanks for all you do for, for Casida and SID profession as well. We appreciate your, your leadership.
A reminder to keep submitting your mailbag questions, log on to kasida.com slash askkasida. We look forward to answering further questions on our next episode of Kasida Conversations. So on behalf of Kasida Executive Director Doug Vance um, and myself and also our entire Executive Board of Directors and staff, we would like to wish each and every one of you a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. We look forward to speaking with you next month on Kasida Conversations. 